Hey, welcome. Um, Welcome, everyone. It's really great to see everybody. Um, Pete, Delilah, thank you so much for being here today. Pete really just loved what you shared. Um, uh, Grace and I were on staff with InterVarsity, too, and it was just really awesome to hear you cast vision again for what you guys are doing. And I'm so grateful for your steadfastness and your faithfulness. That will preach, man. Faithfulness, not outcomes, focusing on that. Uh, if, you, if you don't take anything else away from today, um, remember that, because I think that's so valuable and so important. Um, so my name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm really gr- grateful that we could gather together. And those of you joining us online, thanks for being here. Let's take a moment to pray and ask God to um, speak to us this morning. God, my heart is full as we've worshipped, as we've heard about the good work that you're doing in InterVarsity, as we've gathered together and just seeing um, familiar faces as well as meeting new ones. And so for all that, we're grateful, God. And uh, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning, Jesus, that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. In Christ's name, amen. So I remember at the very beginning of this pandemic, as it was just kind of starting to unfold and I was trying to figure out what was happening, um, I realized that I was actually feeling some unexpected feelings of gratitude, despite the chaos. I was grateful that as my kids went from in-person classes suddenly to being at home online initially, I was grateful for all the extra time that we got to spend together, most of the time. (laughs) Um, I was really grateful that, you know, traffic just kind of like got a lot better and I spent a lot less time just commuting and I was grateful for the extra time. Um, I was grateful, you know, when they were still advising us like whether to go to the grocery store or not and so I was like super grateful for Instacart. I was like, man, this is awesome. They just bring it to your door. But then I would wipe down everything, which was kind of a pain in the butt, but um, I was grateful for that. Um, As our church moved to online ministry, I was really grateful for the ways that the staff team and the leadership of the church just kind of rallied together and made that pivot very quickly. Um, It was really cool to see. However, as kind of time went on, and as this pandemic dragged on, as wave came after wave, um, as masks and then vaccines became increasingly politicized, um, as friends and even church members, people in here, as you all and we all suffered some very tragic losses, as I saw relationships both personally and just around me become strained, just with the weight, right, of everything going on, that overall sense of gratitude slowly eroded away, and it was replaced by uh, annoyance, uh, frustration, uh, sadness, sometimes deep sadness, and anger. Um, And I found myself, I, I found myself that for the sake of my spiritual life, I had to, I I just, I realized I needed to make space and time to deliberately practice gratitude because it wasn't coming naturally anymore. So maybe you relate to that a little bit. We're in a series right now called Spiritual Recovery. And what we're trying to do in this series is acknowledge the fact that this pandemic has been really difficult on our spiritual lives that for many of us, it's kind of knocked us off center and we find ourselves kind of wobbling through our spiritual journey, maybe feeling a little uncentered, uncentered, 
a little unmoored, um, having difficulty connecting with God in the ways that we used to do. And so we're looking at different practices that might help us kind of get back on track, that might help us recenter. And so today, I want us to talk about the practice of gratitude. It's not super complex, you know, but uh, I find uh, from personal experience and reading the scripture that it's absolutely vital. It is vital to our spiritual lives that we practice gratitude. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. As we begin, I just wanted to just throw this question out there, just a little quick self-assessment. You don't have to say your answer, but on a scale of 1 to 10, as you think about your own gratitude level these days, where would you put it? Is it 1, like empty, or somewhere in between where 10 is full? So just make a mental note of how you would answer that question. What is your overall level of gratitude these days? Are you on the emptier side or on the fuller side? If you found yourself like 6 to 10 or something like that, that's awesome. I'm really happy for you. If instead you find yourself more like 1 to 4 or something like that, I want you to know that you're not alone. And if you are looking at this question, you're like, well, I'm not sure. You know, it just sort of, it just sort of depends on what area of life I think about. Well, I get that too, and we'll talk about that towards the end of this message. So throughout the scriptures, gratitude is seen as this critical life of the spiritual life of God's people. So a few examples from scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, uh, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Right, a lot of times we wonder, what is God's will for my life? Well, man, this, this is one of the clearest statements of what God's will is. Give thanks. Right? Be grateful in all circumstances. And then Philippians 2, uh, as Paul wrote to the church that was dealing with different anxious situations, he writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, right, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So Paul wanted us, as we pray, as we make our petitions, as we make our rest, God help me, to also couple that with a posture of thanksgiving. And then Psalm 34.1 is, uh, I think, representative of many psalms that say this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Now, uh, at first glance, as you hear these verses being read, I think it's actually easy to come away from these verses thinking that, gosh, like, does God just expect Christians to, to always just be happy all the time and just to have this kind of like, yeah, like, uh, does God expect Christians to uh, be like uh, Emmett from the Lego movie where, you know, his one jam is everything is awesome. Everything is awesome, right? He's just like, he's just optimistic. He's just happy. He always has a smile on his face. But let's be real, okay? Everything is not awesome. Everything is not awesome. Everything is not awesome in the world these days. And maybe as you look at your life, you're like, yeah, everything is not awesome in my life either. And it begs the question then, what does true gratitude look like in these situations? What does it look like uh, to, to express gratitude 
when we face dark times. And thankfully, the scriptures tackle this question head on. With actually very few exceptions, most of the writers of scripture wrote in times of struggle and hardship. Right? Think about it. Think about the situations that most of the writers of scripture were facing when they penned the words of scripture. They were facing tremendous struggles and hardships. They wrote in the wilderness. They wrote in the desert. They wrote in exile. They wrote in oppression. They wrote while in prison. They wrote facing persecution, persecution, challenge, and great difficulty over and over again. And it was so often in the midst of these very situations that they would say, rejoice, give thanks, praise God. And so what we find in scripture is that biblically speaking, gratitude, it often emerges out of dark times, not independent of it. It often emerges out of dark times. One of the best examples of this comes from Psalm 13. In this psalm, David pours out his heart before God. The psalm is honest, it's real, and it gives us a picture of what it might look like for you and I to practice gratitude even when things are really tough in our lives. And so um, I'd like us to read this out loud together as a community, as a church. Um, Maybe these words express where you find yourself today or have found yourself or will find yourself. Okay, so let's read the words of Scripture together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Amen. Uh, This is a psalm of David, you know, the the little boy shepherd who slayed a giant, uh, who would become king of Israel, who would pen some of the most eloquent poetry in history, who is described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. And I say this to make the point that David was no spiritual slouch. He wasn't apathetic or callous to God. He was close to God. He was certainly not perfect, but he sought God with all his heart. And yet, look at how David begins this song. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? The word how long, the phrase how long, isn't a neutral question as in, you know, how long will it take us to get from here to there? Or how long is the wait? In the Bible, how long often expresses pain, frustration, 
and longing. It's often a prayer of lament. Um, we often think of lamenting, especially uh, I've found in the church that we've kind of woken up to the practice of lament, especially in light of so many of the social injustices that we're, the church is grappling with. And so we often lament the injustices that, we, that persist in the world. And that is an absolutely appropriate expression and use of lament. But what strikes me and what I find interesting is in this passage, David is, is lamenting the distance he feels in his relationship with God. He feels like God has forgotten him. And it's not just a momentary feeling, right? The statement forever, if you can go to the next one, the statement forever suggests that David has entered what others have called a dark night of the soul, a season where closeness with God feels elusive. And the question, how long will you hide your face from me? It reminds us of the children's blessing that we just read. That's a quote of the, the, the uh, Jewish blessing from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. So in the Bible, God's face is a symbol of God's nearness, God's love, and God's kindness. And in this season of David's life, God's face feels hidden. If we can go to the next one. In your spiritual journey, can you identify periods of time when it felt like God had forgotten you? When God's face felt hidden? Can you identify times in your life when you felt that? Maybe Maybe so. And then David expresses the turmoil of his inner life. As if, it's as if he turns his gaze from the silence of the heavens, and then he looks inward into the, the turmoil that's going on in his own heart. Look at what verse 2 says. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I wonder what thoughts David wrestled with. What have I done wrong, you know? Why, why did I do that? Why am I so foolish? They must hate me. They're, everyone's out to get me. I'm ruined. My life is not worth living anymore. And as these thoughts kind of churned in his mind, they led his heart to feel a deep sense of anguish. Um... You know, sometimes when our littlest ones get upset, uh, you know, they'll just start wailing and crying and their whole body's shaking violently and tears are coming out and stuff like that. And um, on my good days, I'll, I'll try to show empathy and concern. And so, you know, like, oh, you know, I can tell you're really sad and you're feeling, you know, you're feeling mad. And, um, you know, it, it often works. It's pretty amazing. It's like magic. Like when you show empathy to someone who's in pain, it, it, it really helps, okay? And I'll notice that it makes a difference because um, as I sit with them, you know, uh, the temperature of their crying suddenly, like it kind of just turns down a notch. And, and I can tell the, the violence of their crying and their tears slows down. But it's often another, like, period of time before they can fully calm down because a lot of times, you know, like, after you've had a cry, your body is still, like, recovering, right? And so often they'll say to me, like, Daddy, I'm, I'm having a hard time calming down. 
right? They're already past whatever had hurt them, but they're just, now they're aware that, like, oh, I'm having a hard time calming down. And so we'll just tell them, okay, breathe, you know, drink some water. And usually 10 to 30 minutes later, which for an impatient guy like me feels like an eternity, um, they will calm down and they kind of return to their equilibrium. Um, Notice here that David says day after day he has sorrow in his heart. And so this isn't just a momentary sadness. This isn't just him like having a good cry and then getting over it in like 10 to 30 minutes. David is wrestling with feelings, I, I would say, of depression. They have gripped his heart and it's happening day after day. And I keep hearing from different mental health professionals that over the course of this pandemic, they've seen many clients and many people's mental health, emotional health, just really take a dive. And I say, like, largely, corporately, as a society, many people are not doing well. People are not doing well. And so I ask you to consider what is the state of your own soul? How are you doing? You know, not, not, not just the cursory, yeah, I'm fine. But how are you doing? What is the state of your soul? And if you're not doing okay, that's okay. David felt that, and many of us are feeling that. And then David turns his eyes to his circumstances where he is facing intense opposition. And he says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Some suggest that the enemy David is concerned about uh, was King Saul, who was once like his mentor, but then grew jealous of him as David's star began to rise. Or perhaps that it was Absalom, his own son, who tried to usurp the throne. And so again, David cries out, how long? Because David is looking around, uh, and he's, as he surveys the scene, he sees his enemy is gaining ground. His enemy has the advantage. And so David doesn't have the assurance of victory in battle. He's wondering about his fate. He's wondering, is this the end? Is this the end? And so if I were to summarize verses 1 through 4, it would be something like this. As David looks upward, right? then as he looks inward, and then as he looks outward, he's not singing everything is awesome. He's not chanting, oh, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. He's not taking self-congratulating selfies of himself smiling and saying, hashtag blessed, okay? He's not feeling any of those things. He's really struggling. He's in the pit. And it's in this place, it's in this place that these words of gratitude somehow emerge. David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Once again, 
David lifts his eyes up and he turns once more to the heavens. And he declares his trust in God's unfailing love. Yeah, God feels far. God's presence feels hidden. But David knows that God's love never fails. David's heart, though filled with sorrow, begins to find comfort and assurance and hope in God's salvation. And then David makes a choice. I will sing. I may not feel like it. It may not come naturally right now, but I will sing. I may not sing loudly. I may not sing with dancing, but I will sing. For God has been good to me. Though David's present was, I mean, those, yeah, though David's present was bleak, and as he looked into the future, it was uncertain and it looked bleak. In this moment, what David does is he looks to his past. He remembers all the ways that God has been faithful to him throughout his life. And he hangs on to those things. And he comes to the conclusion once again that God has been good to me. Which is easier, do you think? Do you think it's easier to practice gratitude when things are good or when things are going badly? I think the answer is it depends. Sometimes when life is going really well, what happens? We begin to take things for granted, right? Like things are going well, so like why do I need, why do I need God right now? And we, we tend to forget God. Uh, I also find that sometimes when life is hard, when we realize like nothing in this world is a sure thing, it brings us to this place, this kind of purifying, clarifying place where we can either choose despair or we can choose to depend more deeply on God. Uh, earlier I mentioned that for some of us assessing our gratitude levels is difficult because it sort of depends on what area of life we're thinking about. We think about like, if, my, if I'm thinking about like finances, oh yeah, in that area I feel lots of gratitude, I feel God's provision. But then maybe we think about our relationships, we're like, oh, but that area is like, yeah, I feel a lot of desolation there. It's harder to express gratitude there. Um, and what this Psalm of David reminds us is that in, every, in the area of life that matters the most, that in the area of life that has the most eternal consequence, the most eternal significance, that in the area of life, when it comes down to our ultimate salvation, that we can always find gratitude because God has given us everything that we need in Christ. Because in Christ, we are loved, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're reconciled. In Christ, we've been given a new identity, a new family, a new purpose, and a new hope. And nothing that this world throws at us can take those things away. 
So I'd like to encourage us this morning as a church to recenter gratitude, to make a deliberate choice to create space and time in our busy lives to think about the ways that God has been present to us and to specifically call those things out. Uh, as a staff team, um, you know, once a month, on the fourth Wednesday of the month, when we gather together, we'll take about 30 to 40 minutes to practice gratitude together as a staff team. And so individually and then corporately, we'll come together to share ways that we're grateful for how God has been at work, both in our personal lives as well as in ministry. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times I'm like, oh, we're doing this again? I, I actually lead this part, but I'm like, oh, we're doing this again? Like, it just feels like we just did this, you know? But it's so interesting because every time we do this, as we sit together in community and hear the things that we're grateful for from one another, I always, I always come away thinking, man, I didn't see that. I had overlooked that aspect of how God had worked. I feel encouragement as I see how God is at work in my friends' lives. And as I take time to stop and think, I'm like, man, yeah, God, you were there. You were there in ways I hadn't initially perceived. And so it's something we have to be pretty deliberate about. And what, what, what might that look like, all right? Uh, it could look like just maybe taking a few minutes each day, maybe while you're driving, maybe while you're walking, just to say, I'm going I'm to specifically call out the things that I'm grateful for today. Uh, those of us with kids, maybe at bedtime, when you're putting your kids down, you can ask them the question, hey, what's one thing you're grateful for? And just begin to make that a spiritual rhythm in your lives. Or maybe it might look like once a month, you know, carving out a morning uh, to go to your favorite, like, coffee shop, your favorite park, or your favorite nook in your room or your house, and just to reflect on the whole month like we do. And just to look like, all right, these are the things that happened. Oh, and this is how God showed up. This is how God was present. I want to give us an opportunity as a church. You know, when we gather here on Sundays for worship, our worship, part of that expression is through gratitude. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And for the next few minutes, uh, maybe this will be like the quietest time in your week, just to have a few minutes to sit with the question, God, what are you saying to me this morning? What can I be grateful for this morning? Maybe even in the hard areas of my life. So we're going to take a few minutes to do that, and then I'll lead us in a closing activity. Go ahead and just take a few moments to pray or just to sit quietly. Uh, ask God to bring to mind areas of life that you're, you could be grateful
go to the next end. One of the things about being a community, right, is not just that we have these praises in our own hearts and we share them with God, it's we share them with one another. And in so doing, we encourage the body of Christ, right? That's one of the gifts of Christian community, right? So what I'm going to invite you to do now is to take a picture of this, and this will pull up a quick, like, text poll where you'll have a chance to text in, what are you grateful for today? And um, I've asked Adrienne to kind of scroll through just one by one the things that we as a community online or here in person are grateful for. And just to personalize it, you don't have to write your full name, but if you want to write your first name or your initials next to the thing you're grateful for, uh, that just helps us to know that this, it's like us in this community doing this together. All right, so go ahead and as uh, you have a chance just to, yeah, just to share with this community, what are you grateful to God for? What are you grateful to God? There's no thing too small or too big. But yeah, let's encourage one another.
welcome to join in. It's awesome, all right? Just to, I think, I can't even see how many uh, things there are, but just to kind of hear and see uh, the ways that God is at work in our faith village, praise be to God. There is always reason for us to give thanks. Let's rise together uh, and let's say our sending prayer. Um, Maybe after service, I think there's more that, you know, when I give a chance for the other ones, but maybe after our sending prayer, we can continue just to scroll through uh, those things that we were grateful for. But church, let's say our sending prayer together as we go, as we leave from here in the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. If you're new, we'd love to meet you over in the lobby. Uh, we have our on-ramp. Um, please, let's greet one another and show hospitality to one another. Uh, grace and peace today.